Today, we're going to continue our, our series on uh, restoration. And um, I've, after an introduction by Nomi last week, um, May talked about restoring rest. And today, I've been given the, the topic of restoring work. Now, for some of you, you may be on holiday, and it's maybe the last thing that you want to speak to, to think about. For, for some of you, maybe you're in the middle of work. Uh, and it, it, it may seem very relevant, but even if you're on holiday, I think it's a good time to take some time out and think about um, how God wants to uh, restore, um, restore us and restore work uh, to us. It was great this week, actually, that a, a, a bit of research came out about work during the pandemic and about the, 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 um, the impact that the pandemic has had on, on work. And uh, the research was by Aviva, um, there are other insurance companies as well, but this was by Aviva. And the, the results were basically showed that the boundary between uh, work and the rest of life are increasingly blurred. Actually, nearly 50% of employees um, have become less career-focused during the pandemic, which is quite, which is quite interesting. Um, and the conclusion was that the pandemic has given people pause for thought about their work and how it fits into their lives. But there's other issues came out. Two out of five people have said that they, they can't never switch off from work. They're just work is always, always there, always in front of them, in their heads, they're thinking about it, um, particularly due to maybe working from home and different working patterns. So how do we, how do we resolve some of these issues with work? And uh, Bumble, it's a company, apparently they're a dating app. I didn't, never heard of them before I read this, uh, this article, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, they basically shut their business for a week and just told their 700 employees from across the world, just go home and just you know, concentrate on yourself. Just have some me time. And that's, that's the way that um, a worldwide company have tried to cope with some of the issues that have come up with the pandemic. Is this going to restore work and um, give us a healthy relationship with work and, and balance in our work? I'm not sure. Maybe rest is obviously very important. May was preaching about that last week. But we're going to have to take some time now and think, uh, um, think about work. Eventually, I'm going to look at Colossians chapter 3. But um, I looked, we spend a lot of time in work. Um, and we invest a lot of our time in work. In fact, um, during our working lives, we probably spend half our waking life involved in paid employment. That's what the statistics show. A quarter of our time over a 50-year working period between the ages of 18 and 68, um, a quarter of that time is spent working. That's 92,120 hours. So if you're just about to go into the world of work, that's what you've got looking forward to you. If you're a bit through the world of work, then you've got some of those hours already done. Um, that, that was just the work that, that I was just talking about paid work. It doesn't include other types of creative work and voluntary work and things like that. But we invest ourselves, we invest um, who we are into our, our work. And a, an article by Forbes said that there were three main groups of reasons or purposes that people found in their work. For security, they want a good salary to secure a good future. There was a whole other reasons given, but all that I've summarized around fulfillment, there were happiness, given responsibility, taking on an important role, an individual purpose, a reason to get up in the morning, a challenge 
linked to personal growth, or even proving others wrong. All of those reasons are around fulfillment and work, which is one of the reasons we spend so much time and investment in it. And the third set of reasons are always to do with some sense of belonging, either being part of a good community in the workplace, having good colleagues, or being able to make a difference in the world to other people's lives. And I don't think those reasons are ignored by the Bible, but I think that doesn't give us the whole picture. So we're going to look together at Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to chapter 4, verse 1. And it's in a, a context where um, Paul has been basically setting up Jesus as the supreme one, the one that we should follow as Lord and, uh, and Master. And he's given instructions to households. A lot of economic activity was, um, took place in households. But he says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So I just want to pick up from that passage that actually um, the, the, having a strong purpose in work and linked to our fulfillment is not ignored by the Bible. And if we just go back right to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, when God created people, he gave them a mandate to work. God was a worker. He created the heavens and the earth. And he made human beings in his image. And we are to reflect that image. And part of that image is, is to work and as workers. And he gave uh, human beings some specific uh, work to do, to increase in number, to fill the earth, subdue it. Uh, in chapter 1 of Genesis, to take care of the garden, to name the animals in chapter 2. So we have this role as human beings to represent God uh, to the rest of creation, and part of that is in our work. So that's why people are seeking fulfillment and purpose in their work. It is part of the created order of things. And it isn't just about gardening or agriculture these days, but um, what theologians called the cultural mandate. Actually, God created the world, but he wants people to continue to develop, uh, to continue to create opportunities for other people to flourish, to write songs and create sculptures, to build cities and build systems uh, for the good of other people and for the good of the planet. So um, when I talk, I'm, I'm talking about work, just a little aside, we often think about work, we think of paid employment, but I think the Bible has a much greater uh, and fuller uh, uh, understanding of work, and that includes voluntary work, it includes creative work that adds beauty to the world, it, adds, it uh, includes caring work that isn't paid, um, that, that causes other people to flourish. So just a little aside, that's what we're talking about. So Forbes are onto something in their analysis of the, the motivation for work, but they don't have a full understanding because um, in the passage we read, 
Paul adds this other thing, that we are to serve the Lord. And that's the, the other missing bit that I think the Bible brings. So through our work, we are to serve the Lord. John Stott gave this definition of work. He defined work as the expenditure of energy, manual or mental, in the service of others, which brings fulfillment to the worker, benefit to the community, and glory to God. So that third thing there, to bring glory to God, that's what we see and understand by Paul saying we, we are serving God in our work. But the other two things, benefit to the community, fulfillment to the work, even Forbes' uh, analysis of, of the motivation that people do, they were there. There's still something of the created order uh, in people's understanding of work. But of course, after the creation, there was the fall, and that has uh, disrupted the created order of things. It's broken relationships between people, between us and God. It's been broken relationships between people, and it's broken relationship between us and the creation. So taking care of the garden for Adam and Eve was hindered by thorns and thistles. And it's a metaphor for the fact that work isn't just as straightforward as we would want it to be. As Adam and Eve turned away to look at fulfillment, for fulfillment outside of God's plan, they tried to um, serve their own needs in their own way so that comes through in work these days. People um, serve their own success. They serve their own reputation. They even serve others only to get something back in return. And so people have taken work and, and instead of serving God as the ultimate fulfillment, they're looking to work to, um, for ultimate fulfillment. Tim Keller calls that the work under the work. People are working very hard for their reputation or for success or for security. So they've switched around the order. Instead of serving the Lord, as Paul encourages to do, they're serving their own interests. Earlier on in Colossians, in Colossians, um, so we've talked about, sorry, in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you're serving in verse 24. Paul in the, in, the, in the letter to the Colossians is basically saying you've got a new master. There's been a change of boss. Um, and the passage that we looked at, the word for Lord or master in Greek, kyrios, um, is used um, eight times four to describe earthly masters and four times to describe Jesus as the, as the world's true Lord. So this passage that, that we've read, the, the meaning of an understanding, is it, about, is it about who we serve? It's not about whether we will serve or whether we won't serve, but it's about who we will serve. And I know this passage talks about slavery, and I know uh, a lot of people criticize the New Testament for its lack of calling slavery out. Um, but just to mention that, I think um, in Paul's thinking, there is a, Paul's thinking did um, eventually impact on people's understanding of the world of work. And it did eventually lead to um, the, uh, slavery disappearing.
So the start of the restoration of work is getting right who and what we are serving. I don't know if you've ever changed jobs um, and had a completely different experience between one job uh, and the next. I changed from one teaching job where um, my, my own immediate boss was, was very pressurized and stressed, um, where I didn't feel supported, um, where you know, pupils in the classroom threatening me with physical violence were not dealt with and were just sent back into my classroom. And I changed jobs and I went to another job and I had a good different boss. And the new boss was like, you know, come to me, what are the issues? Tell me what the issues are. How can I help you? How can I support you? And my colleagues came around and we, we worked together. And just moving from one job to another with a change of boss completely gave me a different experience of work. I think the message in Colossians is, Paul is saying, you've got the opportunity for a change of boss. We want Jesus to be our boss. We want you to be serving Jesus as the soul, as the ultimate purpose of your life. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, Paul says, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He's made us free from serving in the dark kingdom to serving Jesus. And that's the start of the restoration of work. And who wouldn't want to serve this Lord and Master? The Jesus whose kingdom is all about love. The Jesus who's died for us, who's given himself to buy us back so that we can be restored in our work. So two things then. Serving the Lord, how do we do that? And serving others, how do we do that well? Those are the two things uh, that will help us find restoration in our work. So as we, I think the first thing is that we orientate our lives towards serving Jesus. When we go to work, when we're in work, that has to be the motivating, uh, the motivating factor. And it's interesting that Paul is writing to slaves. They didn't have many freedoms, but there's a, um, in what Paul does here, he's basically saying, you now have the opportunity to choose who you serve. So slaves didn't have much choice. They just had to work and do the work that was put in front of them. But in serving Jesus, Paul is giving them dignity. You can choose to serve a different master. You can live by the, the beat of a different drum. And that, I think, brought a lot of dignity to the Christian slaves who were still working in those circumstances. So when we think about the pandemic and the difficult circumstances a lot of people find themselves in, the furloughs, the threat of unemployment, unemployment, um, work-life balance being difficult. I'm not saying that's the same as slavery, but I'm saying there's difficult circumstances. Slavery was not the easiest place to work out, uh, to work in. And what Paul's saying is you can still work for the Lord in those difficult circumstances. In, our, in the difficult circumstances we find ourselves and we can still serve the Lord in those circumstances. And Paul uses this idea of uh, working wholeheartedly. He says basically put your whole self, put yourself into your work. So even amidst these difficult circumstances of slavery, you can still give yourself to it and find fulfillment, find that fulfillment that was part of the created order. 
Sometimes the most fulfilling things are hard. When I talk about finding fulfillment, I'm not saying things are going to be easy. You know, climbing to the summit of uh, Anish Beg a few weeks ago at the end of June, climbing through a cloud inversion and then enjoying the brilliant view was a lot more fulfilling because it was a hard climb and it was a steep climb to get there and we didn't use the gondola. So orientate ourselves to serve um, the Lord. Secondly, thankfulness. All the way through the book of Colossians, Paul is encouraging thankfulness. He thanks the Lord in various prayers twice. He commends the Colossians for, for thanking the Lord in their circumstances and he exhorts them three times to be thankful. Thankfulness orientates ourselves to realizing where everything comes from, where our ultimate meaning lies. It, it lies, in, uh, lies in serving Jesus. Do we have good habits of thankfulness? Do we start the day with habits of thankfulness? Last week, uh, May talked about rest, and I think another really important thing in orientating ourselves towards serving God is by taking Sabbath. If you want to hear more about that, re-listen to May or Connor's sermons from last week. But Sabbath means that we stop work. God commanded us to work six days, take a whole day off, so that we say, well, my security, my ultimate meaning is not in my work because I'm stopping it. It's not all about me and it's, about, it's not all in my hands. So we take a day out, we reorientate ourselves to worship God and we say, my ultimate meaning is in you, is in you, Jesus. Do we have good habits of Sabbath? As we come to finish, serving others, how can we serve others? In verse 22 that we read, it says, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything. Do it not only when their eyes on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And again to masters in chapter 4, verse 1, masters provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So workplace relationships are really important, honoring those that we work for and work with, uh, honoring those that work under us are important. But Paul takes things a step further in Ephesians 4.28. He says, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. So there's that um, being of benefit to other people, and that can be of benefit to the actual people you're working with, or it can be working, uh, the actual work that you're involved with, being a, um, working for the flourishing of people and the planet. There's a story that told of three men working in a quarry before the, the times of machinery and technology had taken over. They were working with axes and picks and whatever quarry men do, uh, uh, or quarry people do with their, in their work. And someone came and asked them, what, what are you doing? And the first one said, I'm cutting stone. And the second one said, I'm earning 100 quid this week. And the third one said, I'm building a cathedral. And it's all about perspective, isn't it? That actually the work that we're doing, we may be doing something very menial, but I think God wants us in our work to see the bigger picture, to see that actually is our work making a difference for other people. And it isn't just, I'm in education, and you think, well, that's easy. I'm, I'm helping with the flourishing of other people, the students I'm teaching. But other roles 
um, are also can also be for the, the serving of other people. Bankers can look for more fair systems of banking. You know, cleaners in hospitals, you know, they're preventing disease by keeping the place hygienic. There's a bigger purpose, uh, serving the wider community. So I think it's important to think through where uh, in our work we are serving the wider community and serving others. And counterintuitively, when we look beyond ourselves, we find that actually there's more fulfillment in that. And that's why it's important to have things like, I know of one huddle, and the purpose of that huddle is for leaders in the workplace to come together and to be challenged and to be supported and to be held accountable for how they're working out their Christian identity in their workplace. I think we need more of those. So how can we envisage your work as service to others? And of course, there's another way we can serve others. Um, we can share Jesus with those that we work with. And I've deliberately left that to last because I don't think that's the main reason that we work. I think the other reasons that we work are the main reasons. But Paul says in Colossians 4, 5 to 6, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we have an answer for the way we work, the hope that we have. And that's part of it. So if we're working wholeheartedly, if we're serving the Lord in our work, hopefully people will ask us, and interesting Paul says, to have an answer. Work isn't just primarily a fishing pool to go fishing for unbelievers, to pluck out uh, um, so that they can be sent to heaven. Work is a, a place where in the, in the everyday work we can um, serve the, the community, serve uh, the planet, and to serve the Lord. But part of that is obviously sharing your faith when that is appropriate. Lastly, as, as I finish, Paul um, says that in verse 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Paul's very aware that um, as much as we can put our time and effort into work, and as much as work is really important for our fulfillment and for the flourishing of the planet, that actually we'll not see a full restoration of work until Jesus comes again. Jesus has come to restore everything, to restore this creation, to create a new creation. We're not going to see all that, and he's aware that, remember, he's talking to people who are in, who are in slavery. The impacts of the fall are still there. And we know that all too well. People are still on furlough. People have still lost their jobs. People are still being overlooked for uh, promotions due to jealousies. We still have uncooperative colleagues. And so what Paul's saying is look beyond that. Look at the bigger picture. You're going to get a reward. One day you will be in a new heaven. You will be in a new earth. Everything will be restored completely. You'll be working in a role that completely fulfills you. You'll be working for the, the flourishing of this new creation. You'll be serving God completely and utterly. So we need to remember that not everything will work out. There's a longer-term plan, a longer-term picture in view. So as we come to respond, do we need to 
to take a step back and see work in this bigger perspective, an opportunity to serve the Lord, to serve others, and as a, and as a result then to find fulfillment. Do we need to think how we orientate ourselves in our work towards serving the Lord by developing habits of thankfulness, by implementing habits of Sabbath, by thinking through about how our work could be for the flourishing of people and planet? Maybe uh, today you're finding work really difficult, the, the impacts of the pandemic, the impacts of unemployment, um, of difficult working relationships. And if that's okay, we'd love to pray for you uh, afterwards. But I'm going to close in prayer now. Um, and I'm going to use the words of prayer from Colossians chapter 1 that Paul used as we come to an end. So Father God, we ask you to fill us with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Amen.